this is Neil Parks. Welcome to Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, as always. This week I'll be discussing the Satanic Panic. The Satanic Panic is a moral panic consisting of over 12,000 unsubstantiated cases of Satanic ritual abuse, sometimes known as ritual abuse, ritualistic abuse, organized abuse, or sadistic ritual abuse, starting in the United States, primarily around the 1980s, but it started to dig its claws in around the 1970s, the mid to late 70s, spreading throughout many parts of the world by the late 1990s and persisting even today. Just not as strong as it used to be. The panic originated in 1980 with the publication of the book Michelle Remembers. This book was co-written by Canadian psychiatrist Lawrence Pazder and his patient, who became his future wife, Michelle Smith, which used the discredited practice of recovered memory therapy to make sweeping lurid claims about satanic ritual abuse involving Michelle Smith. The allegations, which afterwards arose throughout much of the United States, involved reports of physical and sexual abuse of people in the context of occult and satanic rituals. In its most extreme form, allegations involve a conspiracy of a global satanic cult that includes the wealthy and powerful world elite in which children are abducted or bred for human sacrifices, pornography, human trafficking, and prostitution. An allegation that returned to prominence in the form of the QAnon movement, which I call the QAnon cult. Nearly every aspect of the ritual abuse is controversial, including definition. The source of the allegations and proof thereof, testimonies of alleged victims, and court cases involving the allegations and criminal investigations. The panic affected lawyers, therapists, and social workers who handled allegations of child sexual abuse. Allegations initially brought together widely disclaimer groups, including religious fundamentalists, police investigators, child advocates, therapists, and clients in psychotherapy. The term satanic abuse was more commonly early on. This later became satanic ritual abuse and further secularized into simply ritual abuse. Over time, the accusations became more closely associated with disassociative identity disorder, then called multiple personality disorder, and anti-government conspiracy theories. Initial interest arose via the publicity campaign for Padzard's 1980 book, Michelle Remembers, and it was sustained and popularized throughout the decade by coverage of the McMartin preschool trial. Testimonials, symptoms, lists, rumors, and techniques to investigate or uncover memories of SRA were disseminated through professional, popular, and religious conferences, as well as through talk shows, sustaining the further spreading of moral panic throughout the United States and beyond. In some cases, allegations resulted in criminal trials 
with varying results. After seven years in court, the McMartin trial resulted in no convictions for any of the accused, while other cases resulted in lengthy sentences, some of which were later reversed. Scholarly interest in the topic slowly built, eventually resulting in the conclusion that the phenomenon was a moral panic, which, as one researcher put it in 2017, involved hundreds of accusations that devil-worshipping pedophiles were operating America's white middle-class suburban daycare centers. Of the more than 12,000 documented accusations nationwide, investigating police were not able to substantiate any allegations of organized satanic cult abuse. I'm 47 years old, and this is a panic that reminded me so much. Now, at the time, I was buying into it. At the time, I thought it was legit. Now, that's not to say that there are not really people who worship the devil. And in regards to what devil worship consists of, I honestly do not know. I mean, of course, there's allegations and there's rumors and conspiracies involving satanic worship. But when I was being raised in a fundamentalist church, I was fed fundamentalist propaganda. And this is not what Jesus Christ called us to do as Christians. I mean, this these were outright lies and complete and total gossip. And it was due to a mob mentality. When you get several people riled up, rattled, scared, whatever... You have a repeat of the Salem Witch Trials with uh, mob fear, the climate of fear that creates this type of environment. And it was basically a repeat of the Salem Witch Trials and the McCarthy era during the Red Scare where everyone who was thinking outside the box, involved in the music and art industry, the movie and entertainment industry or anyone who sidestepped was labeled a communist or a communist sympathizer, and everyone was getting blacklisted. This took place in the 1950s, and eventually the whole topic, the whole ordeal was skirted because there was no validity to these claims. That is what brings us to the Satanic Panic, and my topic of discussion for this week's episode of Paranormally Speaking. Please hold for an important message from one of my sponsors. Unparalleled Insider Access. Get it all. Introducing the SiriusXM Platinum VIP Plan. Our newest, most exclusive plan. Listen in two cars, plus stream anywhere with two app logins. Access a massive, exclusive library of live concert video and audio recordings through nugs.net. Have opportunities to experience live and virtual SiriusXM events, including VIP-only exclusives. Get all your questions answered by a dedicated VIP customer care team. Plus, get all the entertainment we've got. It's all included with your Platinum VIP subscription. Be a VIP. Call 844-711-8800 to learn more. Offer details apply. One login for activated vehicle. Not available in Canada. Thank you for returning after that much-needed commercial break. I hope you learned something from it. 
The Satanic Panic. This movement of mob hysteria lasted almost 30 years. It was the new 1950s Red Scare where all musicians, actors, and artists were accused of being communists or communist sympathizers. It was the new Salem Witch Trials. Need I say more about that event? I hope you know your history. The Satanic Panic still exists in some small capacity. Thankfully, it doesn't have the stronghold on the youth of the church or the minds of church leaders like it once did. Once in a while, that level of panic and paranoia lifts itself out of the abyss of ignorance, fear, and outright lies to rattle our cultural cages of comfort. Thank God or whomever you serve that as a people, most of us can see through the bullshit. And what really sucks about the satanic panic, so many good people bought into it. So many good people spread that fear, that propaganda. Because they didn't really look into it themselves. I mean, now we have one of the greatest resources at our fingertips. We can look it up. We can read articles. We can search information at the snap of our fingers or at the click of a mouse. If you still have a mouse that you click with and you don't have one of those installed mice on your laptop, whatever. You know what I mean. In the 70s, 80s, and 90s, we had encyclopedias, but those really only told you so much. And you had the mainstream media. That was it. And there was a major shift in our culture. And so many good people were duped. Now, there were some people that were just out there fueling the fire for their own gain because they knew they had something. They had a way to sell more shirts or more Bibles or more Christian rock music or more anti-secular, anti-non-Christian this or that. No, not anti-secular, but you know what I mean. To sell more pertaining to what they see as godly and less of what the world puts out. There were some real charlatans. I'm talking about Jerry Falwell talking about Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. More Jim Baker than Tammy. Tammy was a major proponent and supporter of human rights, minority rights, LGBTQ. Uh, She was a major proponent against laws that were deemed racist. So she really broke away from that mold. You should check out the movie The Eyes of Tammy Faye. You will see Jimmy Swaggart portrayed and and uh, other figures in the televangelism movement and how seedy and creepy they were. They just were not good people. And these are the kind of people that fueled that propaganda, that created that new Salem witch trial. Now, your targets of the satanic panic, of course, rock music, heavy metal and hard rock, pop and rap, they were always going after this. Whether it be an album cover that had some sort of dark or macabre or satanic imagery. A majority of your commercial metal and rock artists put that out there to just shake up the system. They knew that mothers and fathers and grandparents, they were well aware of what they were doing. They were doing it to incite fear and panic. 
to stir up the status quo. It was marketing for them. Now, there are definitely a lot of blatantly dark or I'm, I'm not really sure how to word it. It's not just the lyrics or the imagery. There are bands that blatantly support Satan in their lyrics. And I'm not telling you that you need to burn those or that you need to avoid those. It's entirely up to you. But the same exists, according to the Satanic Panic, within basic rock music like Aerosmith or Guns N' Roses or your hard rock bands like that. Maybe even Nickelback. Who knows? I hate them for more than just reasons that evangelicals would refer to as Satanic Panic. Or actually, they themselves don't call it that. This is what the people of a higher mind would call it. And of course, they say that pop and rap's over-sexualized. Lyrically, yeah, probably. But it's entirely up to you whether you want to listen to it or not. It's not a heaven or hell issue. And of course, in their line of sight, primary target being Dungeons and Dragons and other role-playing games, but primarily Dungeons and Dragons, that you would become possessed while playing it. You would feel compelled to commit suicide if your character dies, or if there's a certain quest you're on or a mission that you're on, uh, things the dungeon master says you have to do or a spell you have to cast that you could openly invite a demon to possess your body and lead you to commit suicide. Now, this is very real, folks. This is what was going around in the late 70s, early 80s, at the dawn of Dungeons & Dragons being commercialized as a role-playing game played by millions, including myself, I enjoy reading Dungeons & Dragons lore within novels and books and so forth. I just don't have the time to invest in playing the game any longer. Of course, other targets include books such as Harry Potter, Goosebumps, anything macabre or supernatural, etc. Of course, Harry Potter has been a target for some time by the alt-right or Christian extremists labeling it endorsement of witchcraft or that there are real spells in the books that you can cast and openly invite a demon into your home. Uh, the people that say that have obviously never read a single Harry Potter novel in their lives because that's all bullshit. None of that is true. There are no demons attached to Harry Potter that are going to possess you or your sock drawer or the dolls that inhabit your daughter's room. It's simply not true. And you notice what, or I noticed anyway, it's really interesting. The Christian right do not go after. They don't seem to really be targeting Lord of the Rings or Chronicles of Narnia, which deals with wizards and magic and good versus evil and dark witches and dark wizards. And it's interesting because both of those authors were openly Christian and spoke openly about it and incorporated it into their writings because there are all of these biblical allusions within those books. But if you want to get down to it, the Harry Potter series is riddled with biblical allusions and reference to Harry being tempted by Voldemort uh, to join him or die. And much like Jesus walking the desert for 40 days and Satan popping up and tempting him, and offering him things that, well, Jesus already had anyway, because he was the creator, or the son of the creator, 
or an extension of the Creator, and part of the Trinity. Anyway, they don't go after them because they were openly Christian. That shows favoritism and poor judgment. The fourth target that the satanic panic has really honed in on, more so now than ever in this day and age, video games. Violence, death, murder, kill. And they blame school shootings on video games. Number five, movies such as Star Wars, E.T., Ghostbusters, Harry Potter series, etc. Yes, they've gone after Star Wars, which yet again is a story riddled with biblical allusions. Yet they attack it and say that Yoda represents a demonic imp who surrounds himself with serpents. Well, the only time he ever like had a serpent around him was when he was in Dagobah, when he was hiding from Vader and his clan. So they didn't kill him because they were hunting Jedi. So he went to the Dagobah galaxy, which that planet was nothing but a swamp. So yeah, there's snakes there. Doesn't mean that he's taking of the forbidden fruit because of what the snake told him, but there were snakes there. Big friggin' whoop. And these nutcases are also saying that Darth Vader's costume looks like Odin, the Norse god, which they look nothing alike, and there's really nothing wrong with Odin. Odin is the creator, uh, according to Norse mythology. That's why it's called mythology. Other things targeted by the satanic panic. Eastern influence, such as yoga, meditation, and Eastern religions. Yes, I said yoga and meditation. Because these apparently allow demons into your mind to alter the way you think and feel. And I guess it allows critical thinking, so look out. This reminds me of the days of the Quakers and Puritans believing that popcorn inhabited demons because it popped and turned into something else and it was demons that was causing it, so then they would burn a witch. Anyway, next up on the target, feminism. Feminism is deemed satanic, or was during the satanic panic, from so many extremist Christians like Jerry Falwell and Dr. James Dobson and Jim Baker. All of those people. The next one, the homosexual agenda and their perversion and violence against our country's moral fiber. The same people that are going on about family values and moral fiber and perversion are the ones that are getting in trouble for it. So many of your Republican lawmakers, way more than your Democratic lawmakers, whom are deemed by the far right as the ones involved in the Democrats, I'm saying, allegedly involved in child sex rings and pedophilia gatherings and human trafficking. It's in reality, the lawmakers that are the Republicans that the far right endorses and supports and votes for are the ones getting in trouble for perversion and destroying the fiber of the family unit with multiple divorces or they speak out against homosexuality that they themselves are having a homosexual affair. The list goes on. Next up on the target, secular television and its dark messages and cartoons and serial syndicated programming, such as, for example, the Smurfs, 
were seen as representations and or embracing of the dead or demons and necromancing. I don't get it either. Next up, alleged satanic witches that infiltrated hospitals, daycares, and nursing facilities in order to murder people and sacrifice them, all for Satan. This was also being spread around during the heyday of the satanic panic. None of that was ever proven to be true. Number 11, I'm sure we've all experienced this. I, for one, can testify to it. Uh, having grown up in a rural area, supposed Satan worshippers meeting in abandoned properties, in the woods, by the train tracks, and near lakes, in caves, or in the dugouts of baseball fields, after hours, for human sacrifice or animal sacrifice. This is what I was being fed every Wednesday and every Sunday night in youth group by people that I thought I could trust. Next up, paranormal research and investigating it. That's next on the target from the satanic panic. And it's only become more prevalent geared towards that, of course, with over the last decade, the onslaught of television programming focusing on that genre. The satanic panic still exists in some form today, and it has evolved into the following. The alt-right, QAnon, domestic terrorist groups, rampant racism and religious discrimination from one branch of Christianity unto another and against Muslims. And what I mean by one branch of Christianity, the tree itself of the Christian religion started with Catholicism, which started as the first church founded by St. Peter. Then you have all these branches that branch off the tree of the first church. You got your Baptist, you got your Methodist, you've got your United Methodist, you've got your Church of Christ, Church of Christ and Christian Union, non-instrumental Church of Christ, Church of God, Church of Nazarene, Pentecostal, Protestant, Apostolic, Episcopalian, Lutheran, Catholic. It all goes on and on and on. And they are constantly attacking one another. I have been to several different Christian churches. And the one I was raised in spent most of the time spreading hate speech from the pulpit against other branches of the Christian religion because they didn't do things according to what the church I grew up in deemed as accurately biblical or scriptural. So many of these branches branch off from the first church orthodox and do their own thing to reach their own people. Everyone comes to God in their own way. And that's what so many far-right evangelical churches and people forget, that God speaks to us differently. And it's not all the same slice of pie. Sometimes the piece of pie is going to be bigger, sometimes it's going to be smaller, and sometimes it's going to be a pie that you hate. You don't like that flavor. But someone else does, and it works for them. So just let it be. Leave it be. If they have a relationship with Jesus, that's good enough. Stop starting shit that doesn't need to be started. If it's not broken, don't fix it. The other point of evolution from the satanic panic to what we experience today, the fear of mass human trafficking, the fear of non-Christians, fear of immigrants, and fear of losing our Second Amendment rights. The satanic panic has evolved into more of a cultural phenomenon 
that covers those eight things I mentioned. Because all in all, it stems from a crisis of fear, which has become a culture of fear, which so many lawmakers that threw the gas on the fire of the satanic panic continue to fuel the propaganda and the fire today, which leads us into the alt-right, QAnon, domestic terrorist groups, and so on, like I just mentioned. Please hold for an important message from one of my sponsors. Available to order now, my first audiobook, Neil Parks Presents Truly Terrifying Tales, narrated by me. It's ready to order and download on bandcamp.com. My other books, of course, are always available to order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Lulu.com. You can also order t-shirts that I designed that I normally sell at conventions, festivals, lectures, and my book signings. I always have the 9-inch tall 3D printed Bigfoot silhouettes available, and last spring my first children's book was released. It was written by my good friend and fellow author, R.L. Walker. I illustrated this book, and it was a major shift in gears for me, considering that my writing and art style has always been dark and scary. To order any of what I just mentioned, you can also go to my email, which is parksparanormal at gmail.com. That is parksparanormal at gmail.com. Standing by. I hope everyone has watched Stranger Things Season 4, the first part, already premiered on Netflix. But they dove heavily into the satanic panic in this season where people who are playing Dungeons and Dragons or who are into heavy metal music were involved in some cult that were allegedly casting dark spells to kill people in the town. It was a, uh, it was kind of paying homage to that era as well as the West Memphis Six, the people who were, the young people who were indicted and arrested arrested and indicted for supposedly sacrificing and murdering an eight-year-old boy, which they did not do, but because they fit the description of what they were looking for during that witch hunt in the 1980s, that's what came to be of the West Memphis Six, and this season of Stranger Things is loosely based on that. Why the satanic panic never really ended? The collective fears that consumed the U.S. in the 1980s and 90s, and yes, the mid to late 70s, it's still very much alive and well, all the way through QAnon and beyond. I'm 47 years old, I mentioned before, and I remember the beginning of backmasking when you were taking records and playing them backwards, and they supposedly had subliminal messages or satanic messages telling you to uh, worship the devil or my sweet Satan. The list goes on. You could play pretty much anything backwards, like a Pepsi commercial, for example, and get the same hidden meaning. Because when you backmask words, they say different words. And if they match up to what you're looking for, in regards to your personal crusade, that being the satanic panic, you find a plethora of things to go after. The societal fear of the occult 
that troubled the U.S. and other parts of the world throughout that time. It never ended. One of the most famous prolonged mass media scares in history, Satanic Panic was characterized at its peak by fearful media depictions of godless teenagers and the deviant music and media they consumed. This, in turn, led to a number of high-profile crime cases that were heavily influenced by the social hysteria. Most people associate the Satanic Panic with so-called Satanic ritual abuse, a rash of false allegations made against daycare centers in the 1980s, and the case of the West Memphis Three. I'm sorry, I said six. West Memphis Three in the 90s, in which three teenagers whose wrongful conviction on homicide charges was based on little more than suspicion over their goth lifestyles. Modern-day witch hunt. At their core, satanic ritual abuse claims relied on overzealous law enforcement, unsubstantiated statements from children on all the above, and coercive and suggestive interrogation by therapists and prosecutors. Some of the defendants are still serving life sentences for crimes they probably didn't even commit, and which likely didn't happen in the first place. As for the West Memphis Three, they were eventually released in 2011 after spending 18 years in prison, and their case stands as one of the worst examples of what happens when police rush to judgment without evidence in the case. But even if the police are less likely to rush to judgment, These days, over rumors of satanic worship and occult influences, many members of the public have no such qualms. Witness the recent controversy around the rapper Lil Nas X and his latest music video, Montero, Call Me By Your Name, in which he cavorts erotically with various iterations of Satan and the way he was able to scandalize countless Christians by releasing limited edition blood-infused Nikes dubbed Satan Shoes. Was the subsequent outrage from those who accused Lil Nas X of being a corrupting influence just a case of failure to read art metaphorically? Perhaps. But look at this bizarre period in U.S. history, which offers another possible explanation. Satanic panic never truly went away. It's alive and well today, and its legacy threads through American culture and especially politics and everything from social media moralizing to QAnon. The number of factors contributing to the increased interest and the fear of the occult during the late 60s and 70s, the Manson cults operation in the late 60s, Accumulated in a string of murders in the summer of 1969 that shocked the nation but organized ritualistic killing on the brain. That same year, organist turned occultist Anton LaVey published the philosophical treatise, the Satanic Bible, which plagiarized several sources and most arguably earlier philosophers of self actualization and self-empowerment from writers like H.L. McKinnon and Anne Rand. Nevertheless, it became the seminal work 
of modern Satanism and the key text for the Church of Satan, a group LeVay had officially founded in 1966, accompanying the rise of Satanism as a recognized practice was the 1971 publication of William Peter Blatty's best-selling novel, The Exorcist, and its blockbuster 1973 film adaptation, which its claims of being based on a true story. The Exorcist profoundly impacted America's collective psyche regarding the existence of demons and single-handedly transformed the popular Ouija board from a fun, harmless parlor game into a malevolent device capable of inducing spirit possession, demonic infestation, and or paranormal activity. Then came the 1972 publication of Satan's Cellar, a fabricated memoir ultimately discredited after 20 years by self-proclaimed Christian evangelist Mike Warnke, a Christian stand-up comedian who wrote Satan's Cellar. He recounted a childhood and young adult where he claimed that he spent an intense satanic worship. Warnke wrote that he served as a satanic high priest and was engaged in, among other things, ritualistic sex orgies. Remember that. It'll be important later. The publication of LeVay's Satanic Rituals, also in 1972, reinforced the idea that dark occult rituals had become a routine part of life for many Americans. And though it had no connection to Satanism or traditional occult religions, the 1978 Jonestown Massacre would give the world another indelible example of what violence in a cult looked like. The 1970s saw the rise of other self-proclaimed former Satanists who insisted that the world was being run by ritualistic satanic witch cults. John Todd, Herschel Smith, and David Hansen, including Warnke. All four men grew up in Southern California and seemed to emerge from the still smoldering ashes of the Manson cult to declare that the world was full of dark occult symbols and far-reaching satanic conspiracies. All of them claimed to have conversion experiences that made their stories appealing to the Christian masses. And all of them were linked to the emerging fundamentalist Christian right. Todd was supported by Christian track maker Jack Chick, who used his fabricated claims as the basis for numerous comic-style pamphlets protesting against Satanism. Warkey spent over a decade posing as an expert in Satanism for the fundamentalist evangelical Christian community, passing off much of his made-up childhood as a template for how real Satanism works. The growing fascination with the occult also coincided with a number of extremely well-publicized serial killer cases that took place in the 70s. The Zodiac Killer and the Alphabet Killer, both of whom used ritualistic patterns in their killings, neither of whom were ever caught. Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy, the Hillside Stranglers, and David Berkowitz, a.k.a. the Son of Sam, who sparked a mass panic during the late summer of 1977 in New York City. Many of these well-publicized serial killers maintained an image of having the upper hand in some way. The Zodiac Killer and Berkowitz wrote taunting letters to the press and the police, 
Bundy escaped from prison and immediately resumed his horrifying killing sprees. Gacy hid his evil under the most banal of disguises, a friendly clown who performed for children. As the brazen anarchy associated with these kinds of high-profile killings grew, so did public fear. In a 2005 book about the fateful New York summer, Ladies and gentlemen, the Bronx is burning. Author Jonathan Maller writes the impact of the Son of Sam and the impact it had on the media. The frenzied media covered fanned the growing sense of fear. The growing sense of fear fanned the frenzied coverage. Maller's observation about the media fueling this mass panic would ring true well into the next decade. When heightened religious fears and the concept of stranger danger concealed into a new breed of mass hysteria, thus gave us the satanic panic. The 1980s were defined by stranger danger and a growing fear of your own neighborhood. Although the Reagan era was a time of economic growth for a short time and financial prosperity, which eventually eroded, it was also a time of unease centered on the population growth. Urbanization and the rise of double income family models, which necessitated a sharp increase in the need for daycare services. As a result, anxiety about protecting the nuclear family from the unknown dangers of this new era was high. The 1980s saw the spread of AIDS misinformation, kidnapped victims, faces appearing on milk cartons, the mass panics surrounding the 1982 Tylenol murders. Trick-or-treat scares. The nation's lone Halloween candy killer, Ronald Clark O'Brien, received a highly publicized execution in 1984, and the first wave of reports of scary killer clowns attempting to prey on children. Each of these moments of social unrest signaled America's growing alarm over stranger danger and the fear that evil could always be lurking right around the corner. Through it all, Christian fundamentalism and a literal belief of angels and devils were on the rise. Fundamentalist preachers like that jackass Jerry Falwell and his moral majority founded in 1979 gained prominence across the country, passing along a literal fire and brimstone style of Christianity. Anti-occult crusaders like Pat Pulling, who believed their son's death by suicide was the result of Dungeons and Dragons and a curse crusaded against the role-playing games as dangerous and demonic, backed by occult fear-mongering from Chick and Chick Tracks. The evangelical movement wasn't alone in its growing occult obsession and fear-mongering. The media, too, played an outsized role in stoking the public sphere and fueling misconceptions. Surrounding occult practices in 1988, Geraldo Rivera's lurid documentary, Devil Worship, Exposing Satan's Underground, became the highest-rated television documentary to air up to that point. A 1991-2020 episode, famously and for many viewers, terrifyingly aired an official Roman Catholic exorcism. Evangelical documentaries like Hell's Bells attempted to tie rock music to the occult, while Christian fantasy, like that of the best-selling author Frank Peretti, transformed real-world social issues into matters of angelic and demonic warfare. 
with so much parallel emphasis on fearing strangers and your neighborhood and Satan and your home, a collision of the two was practically inevitable. How the imagined threat of satanic ritual abuse became established. I mentioned earlier it was the book Michelle Remembers and the psychiatrist who later married the author, Michelle, the book was based on, created an unorthodox version of deep hypnosis and suggestive memory insertion. Despite the wild implausibility and unverifiable foundation of its stories of grisly abuse and sex orgies, Michelle Remembers was presented as a textbook during the 80s and 90s for legal professionals and other authorities. It also spawned numerous copycat memoirs like 1988's Satan's Underground, which was also shown to be false and which embezzled and embellished on mainstream and the idea of the massive intergenerational clandestine cult following of satanic ritual abuse. At the time, the devil worshippers could be anywhere, writer Peter Bergdahl told io9, and summing up the zeitgeist, they could be your next-door neighbor. They could be your child's caregiver. The repercussions of criminal prosecutions for satanic ritual abuse are still being felt today. With spiraling investigations, false information, it was the modern-day Salem witch trials. And that leads us into today. The same panic, the same hysteria exists within our country, especially with the far right. Through it all, the media fueled a public wave of fear that spurred entire groups of rational thinking adults to collectively buy in. Parents and prosecutors, therapists and investigators, jurors and judges, reporters and readers. The narrative swept everything along its path, including victims of all ages. In other words, the abusive mechanisms of satanic panic were the same as those of previous periods of mass hysteria, from witch hunts to McCarthyism. At a time of deep social upheaval, it's all too easy to see those mechanisms falling into place once more, ready to bend toward the next unrealistic, easily ostracized stranger, eager to label them dangerous. In other words, today it's a media-fueled scare over the latest demonic influence, be it crazed clowns, nefarious politicians, or an entertainer peddling Satan shoes. But as satanic panic shows us, that's not the real fear. The real fear is that tomorrow someone could decide that demonic influence is you. Please hold for an important message from one of my sponsors. Ghosts, aliens, UFOs, Bigfoot, parallel universes, angels and demons, time travel, cryptozoology, and so much more within the realm of the unexplained, the strange, and the out of this world. I'm your host, Neil Parks, award-winning author, screenwriter, researcher, and paranormal professional. Join me every week as I tackle hot-button topics within the paranormal realm. 
I'll share personal accounts, my research, and secondhand evidence. I will read excerpts and stories from my books and discuss my upcoming projects in the literary world. Documentaries, both on TV and the big screen, plus my independent film projects. Paranormally Speaking is both thought-provoking and entertaining. New episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in to Paranormally Speaking and prepare to be enlightened. Well, that is all for this week. I think I covered enough when it comes to the hysteria that is the satanic panic. Please be good to one another. Please stop finding trivial and cultural issues to pick one another apart. We don't know, nor do we appear to care to know enough about the other person to make a sound, rational judgment. We want to jump to the worst-case scenario first. That's the way we're wired. Let's try to rise above that. Have a great rest of the week. Join me next time for another episode of Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks. Good night. Nothing is real but pain now